Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 12th of June 2021. And the title of this episode is The Not-So-Secret D&D Projects. This is the 100th episode and I have nothing special planned. Let me distract you with the question instead. Do you think you might have a bit of geek culture in a cupboard or a dark corner somewhere that's worth a lot of money? James Ward, the iconic tabletop designer, clearly does. He put the original manuscript of AD&D's Deities and Demigods up on eBay. When I first took a look, the bidding had reached $10,000. There's a twist in the tale, though. The auction has been removed. I don't suspect foul play. I recently tried to auction some things on eBay myself for a disabled friend. It was a mistake. Items sat there getting lower and lower in price as eBay, as I had allowed, lowered the auction value to attract bids. Meanwhile, buyers contacted me directly, often trying to browbeat me into accepting an offer. To cap it off, my friend who has neurodivergent issues and to whom I had been shielding from all this, decided to U-turn, and I had to unlist everything. So, many angry emails, but fortunately nothing expensive had sold, or been promised as sales. I can only imagine what James Ward was going through. Hopefully, though, no browbeating. Maybe this is an item worthy of a more professional auction than eBay. And perhaps that's why it was pulled. If you've got some old toys in a cupboard, then they might be worth some cash too. Sure, everybody knows that original Lego and Star Wars models are worth cash. But what about toys from the 90s? I blogged some research on this from the Toy Zone, which shows how much Beanie Babies dominate the collector's market from that era. Rainbow, the chameleon, is a Beanie Baby that sold for, wait for it, $50,000. The top 10 selling items their research found are all pretty much Beanie Babies. The first one that isn't is GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64. Now. That's food for thought if you have a stack of Nintendo 64 games somewhere, isn't it? By the way, we're now into our common introduction for this podcast, stats. So let's do a few more toys and then dig into D&D's week. The electronic Furby from 1998, I imagine it's one particular model, sold for $10,000. The most expensive doll was from the American Girl Dolls range and that fetched seven thousand eight hundred and twenty dollars and the most costly action figure is a little known Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles character called Scratch who was worth five thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars. Now D&D has had a busy week so let's take a look. Two books leaked out. Two at once and both via Amazon but let's revisit that in just a second and ask ourselves was it really a leak? I called them the Wild Beyond the Witchlight and the Curriculum of Chaos. Why? Well, because that's the names of both books, and I thought that the unique part of the name too. However, Witchlight is a Feywild adventure, and most people are calling us the Feywild book. Curriculum of Chaos is set in Strixhaven, which was previously announced as that Magic the Gathering set. And as a result, most people are calling this one the Strixhaven book. So apologies if there are a lot of synonyms coming up. 
which light is due out in September, and it leaked without a cover, but with a description. That description on Amazon actually asks people to tune into D&D Live 2021, presented by G4 in July for more information. Have you seen that before? A publisher using their book description to promote an event and a brand that is not their own. Comcast, not Hasbro, not E1, own G4. Curriculum of Chaos is due in November, but it might be why we know about these books ahead of time. We had drips and drags of leaks coming out after that, including a cover of the Feywild book carrying a Fantasy Grounds logo. There was a discussion as to whether this was fan-made or not, as it turns out to be legit. Now, to my knowledge, Fantasy Grounds hasn't commented on how the image came to light. I suspect someone guessed the URL. Then, Wizards of the Coast confirmed the releases in a series of videos from Erica Fermina of Girls Guts Glory playing a character called Eliwick Tumblestrom. I'd love to know who's making these videos and who's managing them. Is it all Erica? If so, she's doing amazingly well. Or is G4 producing and Erica acting? If so, Wizards are getting quality assets, but they've outsourced their voice. It's not a surprise to know that both books are fairly big releases. Strixhaven is a crossover, and therefore big, and there are accessory kits on Amazon for Witchlight, even if you don't know what's in them yet. Books and accessory kits weren't the only thing leaking about D&D this week. We've had plenty of photographs from Onwick Castle where shooting on the movie has begun. It looks great. We have some excellent shots of what looks like spooky warriors and then a Lord of the Rings style boat trip. Just in the last few hours, we've even got a look at Hugh Grant and Michelle Rodriguez. Now, if you're reading the transcript of this podcast, a link to which you can find in the show notes, then you'll see those pictures in two embedded tweets as a warning. Clicking on either will take you to a hate-filled newspaper called the Daily Mail, which shared them, and I advise against it. Now, I've said we'd revisit how much of this is a leak. It might just have been messy. Watsy may well have known, may well have instructed the Amazon pages to go live. You see, a new D&D playtest and an unearthed arcana came out this week, and it's called Mages of Strixhaven and it includes subclasses that your character can join from more than one class. I suspect that Wizards of the Coast left this as long as they dare. The Strixhaven book is due out in months, and they've just launched this playtest. Why leave it so late? Well, perhaps part of it is due to the delays we've all faced in the last 18 months. It's undoubtedly because the name of the playtest gives away the fact that D&D is going to Strixhaven. Sure, they could have renamed everything. Perhaps the assumption was a clever geek would wise up to the appearance of a magic school in a D&D playtest, map the colleges and put two and two together. Wizards of the Coast may well have thought it pointless to try and obscure the two. I would have called it clever marketing though. Well, fair enough, this approach also gets people interested in Strixhaven. And do you think six months is long enough to complete a playtest? go through feedback and edit books and then send the details through to the printers. This month, by the way, Wizards of the Coast confirmed they are taking control of some of the international printing for D&D as well. We're still not through with the story. There are more layers to come. There's a D&D celebration event on the way 
Wizards of the Coast have announced the Dungeon Master Challenge that begins on the 17th of June. That's in days. We'll find out then and only then what you have to submit and then you'll have three days to do it all. After that, finalists go into stage two, which knocks out others until we get to the final. A competition like this is how we got the Eberron campaign setting. And D&D boss Ray Wenger has been tweeting. There's another still secret D&D book on the way. Witchlight is being managed by Chris Perkins. Strixhaven by Amanda Hammond. Amanda joined Watsy in 2020, leaving Cobalt Press to become a senior designer on D&D. After Witchlight, but before Strixhaven, we'll get a book from James Watt. Care to speculate on what that title might be? Planescape? That's a lot of D&D news. But that's not to say other RPG and other geeky news didn't also ram itself onto the radar this week. During Elysium Con, that's the Renegade Gaming Studios and the World of Darkness Virtual Con, four new Vampire 5e products were announced. So production really seems to be ramping up for Vampire. One is a dice set, nearly 20d10 for 20 bucks, and that feels like great value if you compare that to some of the artisan dice you can buy on Etsy or get via Kickstarters. Another is the Inquisition Sourcebook. And this is one for storytellers, adding more details to those who hunt the kindred. I don't think it's a hunter's PC book. The other is a $50 The Book of Nod that comes in a foul leather cover and fancy pages, inside is art from previous editions, and poems that reveal or hint at the big secrets of the world of darkness. Safe to say, it looks great, but it's absolutely one for collectors only. There's, there's one more. And that's the Book of Nod Deluxe Artifact Edition. It's not even a book. It's the Book of Nod on parchment scrolls. And it comes with a fake stone tablet. I think it even comes in a crate. This Artifact Edition takes, takes my previous for collectors only comment and just blows it away. Yes, it's expensive. It's $250. I can't afford any of this. But do you know what? We've seen certain collectors editions of hardbacks alone sell for around that. So it may well be the case that $250 for a crate of Vampire the Masquerade goodies that makes your gaming den look great, which you can treasure for a lifetime and hand to players and, if you're lucky, do all three at once, is good value. Further evidencing my suggestion that the world of darkness is really ramping up production, we also got a dramatic trailer for the adult-rated Blood Hunt, a free-to-play battle royale set in the world of darkness with vampire characters from the computer game developer Shark Mob. Yes, vampire does Fortnite. I'm sure back when I was an angry young man and the world of darkness was my primary game, I'd be frustrated by that. Is vampire supposed to be a combat game? Now I'm chillaxing about it. The world of darkness can be whatever you want, not just along by Paradox Franchise Police, of course. I wasn't virtually at the convention, and I feel like I missed out on a good one. As is happening more often, there was another con running at the very same time. This clash was with the Onyx Path Virtual Gaming Convention, and we've just got through Dungeon Con clashing with Pazio Con. Oh well. The pressing news from OPP Con is that they've been releasing bundles. I wrote up the first 11, but they've released more since then. Unfortunately, the last time Onyx Path did bundles for a virtual con, they only lasted the duration of the convention, and so you may need to be quick. 
These are all designed to quickly get you equipped to play in an Onyx Path setting and, in strictly monetary terms, the best deal I've spotted is 51% off the Dark Eras bundle, which means a saving of nearly $40. Do clashing virtual cons matter? Certainly not as much as clashing meat-based cons, but I can't watch two Twitch streams at the same time though. I did manage to do two reviews this week. The first one was also a bit nostalgic, as Cubicle 7 have released a lovely hardback of Death on the Reich. This is an iconic Warhammer fantasy roleplay game that was first published back in 1987, so it's even older than those retro toys from the 90s. Lots of feedback from players over the actual decades of gameplay that the designers have had, many of whom are still involved in this project, is evident in the adventure. It gets a thumbs up from me. I took some photographs of inside the book, so if you're a visual person, as well as an audio one, it might be worth a quick trip to the blog to check those out. Sticking with the nostalgia for a bit, the First Edition Society created a drive through RPG account this week. That took them long enough. As a result, you can now download all 400 plus pages of the Osric RPG right now, and for free. This is an RPG that's designed to let people write and sell AD&D adventures without breaking any rules, er, in my opinion. It's an AD&D simulator, a retro clone. And since we're talking about old school, let's mention Rises. Rises was one of the first games I remember, so we're talking many years ago, that says, does an RPG need to be dozens or even hundreds of pages long? Rises is an RPG that you can squeeze onto a single sheet of paper. And it's been sold. S. John Ross has handed the project over to Big Dice Games. Now, Big Dice Games don't look particularly active to me but they've said they'll keep Rises going and expand on it. The second review this week is for an RPG called Ark. It's on Kickstarter right now and has been managed by Exalted Funeral, written and designed by Mometos. It feels different and that's exactly what I needed. The game is designed for short scenarios in which characters struggle against the clock to defeat the incoming apocalypse. Set it up differently each time and play it again. That's to say, pick a different theme, a different end of the world, and then try and thwart it. Rather than attributes, characters are defined in the first instance by their approach to solving problems. Creative, careful, and concerted. If you accept character death as a consequence of an arc, everyone else in the group gets an XP boost, and you get a new character, the doom clock moves on, and you return to gaming. A Kickstarter that I didn't find the cash for, and this may turn out to be a regret by necessity, is 9th level games Mazes. However, that's still live, and to top it off, 9th level games and restoration games have announced that they'll publish Return to Dark Tower RPG compatible with it. The system that Return to Dark Tower will run on is 9th level games Polymorph. Perhaps some of the RPG news this week has been surprising. But this bit of entertainment news is the one that caught me out. You know how Amazon has spent a fortune to secure the rights for Lord of the Rings and make a series for Prime, yeah? Well, New Line have approved The War of the Romahim, and that's a Lord of the Rings anime. I can hear an executive chuckling something darkly about only the live-action rights as they sign off on the animation. 
the War of the Romhin is set about 250 years before the Lord of the Rings and we'll meet Helm Hammerhand, that's the king that Helm's Deep is named after. In other entertainment news, well, kinda, I'm really buzzing for Ghostbusters Afterlife and the series of Ghostbusters trainers that Reebok is releasing are adding to my hype. I've never been a shoe person, but I'm really tempted by the Black Answer Force, though they have a snarling mouth on the side and bright slime green trimmings. You can tell that I'm trying to save money because I'm also tempted by the Jiu-Jitsu Cajun range from Uniqlo. That's an action horror anime, and these tea designs are more on the minimalist side for, than usual for our illustrations, and they're safely miles away from the sexy girls on my chest designs, which is not a look this geek can pull off. Now, we're running out of time, so let's move on to the usual closing discoveries of bundles and specials on the site. Firstly, and to return to the world of darkness, that other Vampire 5e publisher, Modifius, has Vampire the Masquerade Summer of Blood bundle and drive through RPG. This may be them selling their digital copies while they have the rights to do so. For us, though, it means nearly $100 worth of PDFs, including the core rules, for under 40 bucks. Alderic has the world's largest bundle on the bundle of holding. I don't know if it's really the world's largest bundle, but it does hold titles like the world's largest dungeon and the world's largest city, both of which are honestly huge. The last bundle is the virtual tabletop map Steel and Humble. They've had to redesign, and I might even need to go back and edit the poster out about it because the redesign threw me so much I didn't notice they had tears. So tell me what you think about it. Could they have done better? And lastly, there is another competition on Geek Native, and this time is to win an off-duty Games Master hardback notebook. I can send it anywhere I'm legally allowed to and I'm not promoting this on general competition sites, so your chances of winning are high. And on that note, let's wrap up there. Keep safe, and we'll see you next week.